host of the Life After Life podcast. I want to invite you to become a patron of the podcast. For just five euro per month, you will get ad-free content, video episodes, exclusive events and discounts throughout the year as a thank you for your support. Check out the link to my Patreon page in the description box attached or go to Patreon and search for Life After Life with Sandy Burns. Hey, 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 guys, and welcome to another episode of Life After Life with me, Sandy Byrne. And I'd like to introduce you to a gentleman that um, he's, has so much interesting stuff to tell us, I can't tell you. But his name is Paul Zalman. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, your surname right, Paul. And he's joining us all the way from Utah in the United States. So welcome to the Life After Life podcast, Paul. Thank you, Sandy. It's a great pleasure to be with you. Oh no, it's it's amazing because I've been looking um, at your website and I'm so interested in the the language of love, shall we call it that? But first of all, if you yes. don't mind, can we start with a little bit about your background? You don't have to go um, too deep for us, but I always want people to understand that, you know, when they, you know, it's not just people that have been raised with, you know, holistic work or within a certain family. People from all kinds of backgrounds, you know, come to a realization at some point that there's more to this life. And I think you have the similar background. Would you mind just painting that for us? Absolutely. Thank you, Sandy. I grew up in an angry home. There was a lot of abuse, a lot of different kinds of abuse. And and it may have been an educational thing. My father only graduated from eighth grade, and then he had to go to work. His father had, had uh, passed away when he was 10 years old, and he's actually number 15 of 19 children. And it was just oh a God. huge family. Uh, so it was just really, really hard for him. And just, so um, just for reference, I, I'm sorry to cut across you, Paul. What age would you be in eighth grade? What kind of age range would that be? Uh, so you're about 12 and 6th grade, 13, 7th, um, 14, about 14 okay. years old. 14 years old. Okay, God love him. So that was tough. Okay, sorry, I just wanted to give a reference was, point because um, we yeah, don't have grades like that over here. Okay, so so at 10 years old, his father passed away. He struggled to go to school for four more years, graduated from the 8th grade at age 14, approximately age 14. And then just had to learn how to do mechanics and he learned how to do truck driving so he was a truck driver when i was growing up i'm he, from his generation the generation improved a little bit instead of him and his and and my mother having 19 children they only had 11 sandy oh okay you're not catholic <laughs> are you <laughs> no 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 so and then and then from from my generation so i'm improving it a little bit more for my generation i only had eight and my children are only having three i don't understand why they're only having three sandy maybe you can send a medium to them i really i want more grandchildren that's why i had children i want grandchildren 
But if each one has three, that's a lot of grandchildren. <laughs> We're not quite all there yet. So I have 17 grandchildren. I would like a few more. Thank you. Yeah. So anyway, as I'm, as, as I'm growing up, and my father's a truck driver, he's gone during the week, and he's home on the weekend. And so he had a great trait about him, Sandy, that he would date my mother every Friday night when he came home. But, but it went like this. How was your week? How was your week? My mother would start at the oldest child, and now, mostly boys, I'm kind of a thorn between two roses, an older sister and a younger sister, all the rest are boys. So boys will be boys. They're like, they're like puppies. They're, they're swatting at each other and they're wrestling all around. Sometimes they break their arm accidentally or, or they, something happens. So my father's getting annoyed, 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 annoyed. Now he's ready to have this flash. By the time he's to number 10 and I'm between those two girls, you know how he values women because he's taken my mother out every Friday night. Yes. I, if I look cross-eyed at my sisters, I'm in trouble. So I would get the belt or I would get a very severe spanking and it was be, I felt, felt like it was mostly right on me. I never saw any of my brothers get the kind of spankings that I ever got. So I felt like I, I was just, it was really hard on me. Well, that and I wasn't interested in mechanics. I hated getting grease under my fingernails and trying to get that grease out from under my fingernails. And I wasn't a girly boy, but I was between two girls. And I had the softer side that girls have. And I just, I just didn't want to smell like gas or smell like the, or the oil or anything like that. Didn't want that as part of my life. So I really didn't like what he did as a mechanic. And we would teach all my other brothers to be a mechanic, but I, I just wasn't there. I just yeah. couldn't, didn't have that relationship, that connection with him in that way. It was really hard to get a connection, especially because of the abuse. It was verbal, it was physical, there was sexual abuse within the home. It was just all these types of abuse that you can even imagine, emotional. I mean, there's just a lot of different abuses that happened within the home. And I was trained to do that. And I, I, did, I had to get out of that situation. So I left home at age 17. I still had one more year of, of high school left before when I left home. I was at, right after my junior year of high school. And I moved in with my brother. My brother was very, very kind and had a couple of children at the time. And so I played with my niece and, and nephew and just had a really nice time with them. But my brother had this same problem, that he'd be annoyed, 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 stacking these annoyances and then having a flash. Then as I'm having children myself, I realize I've got the same problem. And it must really be, Sandy, a generational problem that was passed on. But I want to get rid of it. So at age 35, I realized that I, I'm blaming my father for all these, this social awkwardness all this stacking of annoyances, and I'm blaming him for a lot of these problems. If you get annoyed and then have this angry burst in public, it's very, uh, I mean, you can repel people, but it's very embarrassing. I did not want that in my life. It was very awkward. I didn't want that in my life anymore. So I, I so decided at age 35, 
I'm going to be responsible for my own life. I'm going to stop blaming my father. Stop being that little victim and start start living my own life. He'd been dead seven years by that time. I still was blaming him for all these things. And so I really couldn't, I didn't know about mediums like yourself that could have that kind of reconciliation. I didn't have any talk with him. But I did see him two times after he passed away. Both times he's sitting in a chair, just looking straight forward, not looking at me, but looking straight forward in the chair. It was very much like the recliner. He used to sit in the recliner and fall asleep in the recliner. But he'd be sitting in the chair, looking straight forward, and nobody else in the room. It was almost like he was in solitary confinement. And I'm not sure if it, what that was all about, but it was, and you probably know, but it was just both times it was exactly the same thing. He's just sitting in the chair, looking straight forward in a solitary confinement, just all by himself, not really looking happy. He doesn't have a smile on his face. He's not not looking like there's, he's seeing anybody, not conversing with anybody, just sitting straight up, looking straight ahead. And so, uh, so I, I, I decided that I want to be, I don't want to be angry. And when I say that statement, it came from that negative background that I came from. That's a kind of a double negative that only works in math. You can multiply two negative numbers together and you'll get a positive number. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work in relationships, Sandy. And I was finding that out it wasn't working. So after 23 and a half years of marriage, these spouts of anger that I had myself stacking those annoyances actually contributed to the demise of my first marriage. So now I'm single and I've, I've got primary custody of the children. There's five, five children left in the household. And so I'm, I'm taking care of them. On the weekends off, though, Sandy, I had this plan. The weekends that my ex-wife would have the children, I would be out dating. And I would call it destination dating. I would find a, a woman that lived in a different city, and then we'd choose a city to meet in, and then we'd have a date and then go back to our homes after that. And it was, it was great fun. I traveled all over the United States. And, and into Mexico, all for just dating. And I did it for about a year and a half. Sometimes I would drive, sometimes I would fly. It was just, I went to New York City, Salt Lake City, uh, Kansas City, Nashville, Tennessee, Atlanta, Georgia, Florida, uh, uh, North Carolina. I went That's to. Nice. Uh, just, just for a night. Yeah, just for a date. Yeah. Cabo San Lucas, even. So just just have have a date. It was like I was looking for love in all the wrong places, trying to find love, and I, I realized that uh, you know I was just it wasn't happening. I thought I had a line on someone, I thought someone that was it was going to work out the relationship. It lived in Phoenix, so I moved to Phoenix and it didn't work out. So at that time, my ex-wife is kind of done with what she was doing and decided she wanted custody back. There were three children remaining in the household. So she wants the custody back. But she's moving home to her parents. She's a little over 40 years old. She's moving back home. And so I didn't ever have an opportunity, being number 10 of 11, 
I didn't have an opportunity to ever meet my grandfathers. They both passed away before before I was ever born. And then I had one very nice grandmother that was 350 miles east of me, and then a crotchety grandmother that was 350 miles west. And so I didn't visit them very often at all. And I thought, this is absolutely a perfect opportunity for my children to get to know their their grandparents, at least on their mother's side of the family. So I relinquished primary custody of the children. Now I'm all alone. So I get this call from my sister, Sandy, and my sister, this older sister, says she has a neighbor. She wants to introduce me to the neighbor because she thought I was lonely. And maybe I was at the time. But she lives seven hours away. I said, oh, man, I don't. I don't want to travel anymore. I don't, I'm done with this destination dating that spent over $10,000 for over a year and a half just on destination dating. Got nothing. I thought, I don't want to do it. She says, oh, come on. And being number 10 of 11 children, you have to do what your older siblings tell you to do. So I, I said, all right, I'll email her. Well, Sandy, what kind of relationship can you develop with email? I didn't I think. I didn't think it was going to be much at all. She was a really good writer. So after about four or five different exchanges, I got brave. I said, how many times have you been married? And then she wrote back and she said, counting the five that are buried in the backyard? And I just <laughs> laughed. I, I just roared with laughter. I thought, I got a live writer. I got someone with a little bit of personality. I got someone that has a sense of humor. I need that in my life. So I, we started uh, corresponding a little bit better. I started getting a little closer. Then I decided I'm going to move up to where my sister is at. That's where I'm at right now. So it was time now. We got serious. It's time for big brother approval. So I take her north, 300 miles north to my brother's house. Always have to have big brother approval when you're number 10 of 11 children. Of so so I had to get this get this approval. First thing that happened was that when I go in my sister's, my brother and my sister-in-law's house, my sister-in-law pulled her aside and said, the only emotion that the Zolman family learned growing up was anger. At first I didn't know, said, oh, uh, then it made me mad. And I thought, and I thought, I'm busted. She, she, I just verified exactly what she said. And so I realized at that moment, Sandy, that I've got an opportunity to change that perception of the Zolman family. That that I can uh, I uh, so I started reading the color code, and then I settled on the five love languages. The book that was written by Dr. Gary Chapman. He wrote it, uh, published it in 1992, but it's well known around the world. So the five love languages. The theory says that you have a primary love language, I have a primary love language, everybody has a primary love language. And most people are give, they what they like, like if they like touch, they give touch away, hoping that it's going to come back to them, that reciprocity. So it's a transaction thing. That wasn't working for me because I was guessing really bad. So Sandy, if, Dr. Chapman said, if I guess what your love language is, and if I came to that, we're going to be buddies. I'm a really bad guesser. So it wasn't working for me. Yeah. So so that wasn't working for me. So the second thing that Dr. Chapman has is, well, if you take this survey, 
you can find out what your love language is. Well, Sandy, what am I supposed to do with that? Advertise? Hello, Sandy. I'm Gifts. What do you have for me today? Yeah. yeah, what do you have for me today? I mean, that's so awkward. I was done with awkward. I, it just wasn't working. But I had an idea. I, I remember is even as dysfunctional as our family was growing up, that we played games. And games kind of brought our family together. There was still smack talk. There was still the put downs. There was still aggressive competition. There was all that together, but it brought our family together. So maybe if I play, play this again, it, I might be able to learn the love languages. So I contacted Dr. Chapman and, and asked him, are you licensing those little pictures or the icons that you have for each one of the love languages? And his attorney wrote back and said, no, we're not doing that. But I still had this idea. So I went to a local attorney and he told me this. He said, theory, like the love language theory, is not copyrightable. Application is. So they weren't doing it as a game, so it gave me permission to make it into a game. So that's what I did. So I created a queue that has the love languages on it. So right now I'm holding up two hands together that form, form a heart, and then there's a little conversation flyout of the heart. That would be the words. Some people like to have words so for those who aren't watching this video and you're just listening to the audio, yes, it, it's literally a cube, almost like a dice. And um, he's shown us one side of it and it's almost like a cladder ring. Do you know the Irish cladder ring? Have, I don't. You haven't seen it. It would be like an ancient Irish wedding ring. Some people still wear it. It's, um, it's like hands holding a heart and it's it's huh? worn a certain way if you're single it's worn with your heart outwards and it's worn with the heart inwards if you're married so it's a way to know whether oh, people are single or available or not and the side of the cube that he's actually holding up i'll put a a, a picture in the description box attached here for those who aren't watching it on video because it's so interesting but sorry i didn't mean to disturb you. i just wanted to give people um an idea of what we were looking at here if they're just listening to the audio well i'm glad I'm glad you told me that uh, that history. I had no idea. So the heart toward you is single. The heart outward is is married. The other way around. If you've got the heart facing out away from you, then your heart is available. It's open to be taken. Whereas if the heart is in towards your body, then your heart is already taken. It's closed. It's not available. Ah. Mm -hmm. Oh, <laughs> that's very interesting. So the next, the next side I have, I'm holding up, is a hand holding an hourglass. So an hourglass measures time. So that would be the love language of time. So that, what that looks like is somebody's washing your car. You like your car washed, or you like the carpet vacuumed, or you like the, the trash taken out. Things that people, ways that people can, can um, actually, that's not true. This would be just setting aside time sometimes just sitting with the person just being with them you don't even have to say anything just be with them so the one i was describing is service service would be the where, where you like the car wash and you like like the trash taken out that's that's true I'm, i got mixed up there for a minute no you're fine so the next one so the next one is a, a hand holding a gift that would be gifts and then the last love language is two hands touching it like they're holding hands. That would be touch. Five love languages, six sides on the cube or the dice. 
the, the last one I, I created is, is surprise me. It's a hand holding a question mark. So on that day, we're just doing random acts of kindness. So Sandy, there's just two instructions. You roll the cube every day or the dice every day. Whatever it lands on is the love language you practice giving away all day that day. All day uh, to everybody. So this is everybody. It's not, what you're expecting from your partner. This is what you're going to do for everybody that you encounter on a particular day. Correct. So it's no longer about you and it's no longer about me. It's about them. And it's about helping them have a better day. When they light up, after rolling this for, for several days, you'll, you'll, you'll get the idea of all five love languages. You'll know them backwards and forwards. But what you're watching for, Sandy, is that you're watching for them to light up. When they light up, you've discovered without having to pause the relationship and say, excuse me, could you take this survey so I know how to love you? That's yeah. too awkward. You don't have to do awkward anymore. You just watch for when they light up. And when they light up, you've discovered what their primary or secondary love language might be. And it's for that person, you just make a mental note and then wash, rinse, repeat, do that over and over again. It's not like you're trying to put them into, into, you know, uh, into a box and say you have to eat tacos the rest of your life. Every day you eat tacos the rest of your life. It's not like that. So it's, it's the, the cube itself, by rolling it every single day, you're sending out a variety of love and it, your partner should enjoy that as well. You'll watch them line up with other things as well. I actually love this idea because, you know, when I first kind of looked at it, I thought, oh, is this kind of like, you know, like the Karma Sutra thing? <laughs> and I was thinking, is this like that you put it out and this is what you want to get from your partner every day? Because I'm a selfish person. I'm a Gemini. So um, <laughs> this I was thinking, is this do you, do you put it out on what you want to get from your partner every day? But actually, that's a much clearer way. Now, that's so clear the way you've described it, because it really is like an abundance thing isn't it because if you're giving something out you're going to get it back tenfold so yes you want to be treated you know in a certain way by your partner or your family or whatever but you have to give it out first now i know what you meant when you said give it away i didn't get it at Absolutely. first now i get it wow yeah. and has this helped you overcome some of the trauma like, I don't know, I mean, it's not counseling. I'm sure you've probably had to go to counseling or therapy because, you know, to, to get over that childhood trauma. But has, is this a way that you have now to make it easier to communicate with people? Because now you've got something to concentrate on and you're not awkward. Absolutely. Great question, Sandy. And let me tell you the things that have changed for me. And it really it was miraculous. And it was almost like I stumbled upon this as a solution for for me, my, myself. What I was looking at before and what is part of that angry culture is that I was looking at other people and what they were doing wrong and then getting an opinion and saying things like, saying it to myself or out loud, what's wrong with you? Why, why can't you do this right? And this is the way you should do it right. And giving advice, and I realize that's part of the angry culture, that you look, there are no boundaries, that you can look at other people's things and get into their business. I realize I need to draw that line. I needed that boundary, so I realize that's not my business. 
And what I realized that that what I need to do to stay in my lane, it was a whole lot. It was it was just a paradigm shift there as well. But the, the other thing is that as I'm rolling the the dice, I, and and just practicing what it says to do all day that day, it sets the theme for the day, kind of gives a purpose for your day. And while I'm doing that all day long, I now have a mindset that says, what's right about that person? What can I love about that person? And it's looking absolutely 180 degrees another way. No longer do I say what's wrong with that person. I don't have any time to be annoyed anymore. I'm watching for all the good of people. And if you, I think that most people are intrinsically good, whether it's 10% bad, 20% bad, or, or 40% bad, that still is 60% good, or 80% good, or 90% good. Whatever it is, they're mostly good. I was focusing on the, the minority of what people are, the bad things and the, their weaknesses or their faults. And I realized that as I'm focusing on that, it's coming right back at me, that they're looking at my faults now. And I didn't want that anymore. So that change, just by rolling the die and rolling the cube, that change happened almost overnight. I needed that replacement behavior because I couldn't get rid of the anger. I did not know how to get rid of it. I realized I need that replacement behavior. And the, the best part about this, or the most serendipitous part about it was that I was single at the time. I didn't have a significant other, like Dr. Chapman says, to do this with your significant other. I didn't have anybody. I said, well, who am I going to love? And I just realized, I'm going to love everybody. But for me, that was just what I needed. I needed this to be full time. I needed it to be every moment of the day to change that behavior from looking at what's wrong with people to now looking for what's right. What is there to love about that person? It changed my, changed my outlook on my parents too. And that was the healing that I really needed too. That I started looking for the good things about my parents. And, and just having some mercy and having some forgiveness for, for, for the things I perceived that were really bad. Because they, were, they did their very best. But they didn't have much to work with. I think education is a, it's a huge part of that. Yeah, and, you know, times were probably hard. They were probably so, you know, with so many children, like I'm sure money was very tight, you know. Um, you weren't going around with Nike runners on you and, and whatever. So, um, like, you know, th it, that's a big stress in itself. And your mother being on her own all week with those children. And, you know, I've spoken about it a few times on the podcast before, but it's how we look at life through a lens. You know, everybody looks at life through a lens. So it's um, some of us bring some of our past lives into this life and we have that trauma that we've brought forward with us. And some of us then it's just what we experienced through childhood. OK, some of it, some of us would have had positive, you know, experience. Others, not so much. And we carry that lens. So that gives us a lens of, you know, whether it's anger, whether it's disappointment, whether it's regret, whether it's hopelessness, you know, that's the way we're going to look at the rest of our lives. We're going to look at it through those lenses. And we're going to, I suppose, reflect that in other people. So you, what you're doing is you're turning it around 
and you're giving us a different lens to look through. So we're taking off the lenses that we've carried for all those years. And now we're instead of saying, this is how that person treats me. This is how that person treats me. You know, what we're doing is we're reversing it. I love this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And I need this. <laughs> so um, I I was just looking. I think it's only available on Amazon.com, not over here. But I think it, um, it can import it. Or you can buy it directly from your website. Do you ship this cube um, to Ireland and the UK? I do. It, it, the postage is a little bit more expensive. It's Obviously. probably probably in the 16 to 20, maybe $25 range that it's going to cost to, to ship it there. But it, it really would be worth it. And, and I'm looking for someone that could actually at, at, almost as a repository there that they could ship it from, from Ireland or, or the UK to parts of, of that, that area of the country, that area of the world. That, um, yeah. So um, I, I'm looking for a distributor for, for the dice itself. The book, yes. like you said, is available on Amazon. I've got a journal as well that is, is available. Some people like to record what they rolled, what opportunities they saw to love in that way, and what they did about those opportunities. It's really all highlighted with, within the journal page itself. That um, it, it's kind of has the prompts that allow you to to make make it easy to write a journal about what it's, it becomes a love journal, something that I would have loved for my mother or my grandmother or my grandfather. Instead, I got a journal about the weather. The weather sixty years ago, what the weather was like. Who cares about that? Exactly. Anyway, so I would have loved to have a. Doing. That's right. I would have loved to have a love journal from my parents. Yeah. So do you feel because, you know, there will be people listening and I do get a lot of people who like that are looking for love, you know, whether they've never, you know, been in a serious relationship or maybe they've moved on from a serious relationship. Um, can this help them find love? Did it help you find love? That's a great question, Sandy, and I, I just want to change the, the connector there. Instead of looking for love, look to love. Look to, for opportunities to love and look to find ways to send love out because love will come just, just the laws of the universe are in place. The law of the harvest, karma, the law of attraction, the law of reciprocity, to me, is a more of a transactional. It really kind of it could be love, but for me, if transactions aren't aren't love, if I send something out to you and I want it back, that's a transaction. Yeah. But that's and to me, that's not love. So you're sending it out without any regards of ever seeing it come back, but trusting that those universal laws are in place, it's going to come back on its own. And I, I believe that people looking for love really should look to love, and then love will come to them unabated. It really will. They're gonna they're gonna improve themselves if they're looking for love. Like I was being single, I felt like I needed to improve myself to make myself more marketable, uh, so to speak. That to become a better person that sends love out, and by doing that. It was it was e- e- very easy to attract those that would want to be with me. A hundred percent, because whatever you put out into the universe, you're going to get back. 
okay? And when yeah. we talk about the language of love, I suppose I'm no different to everybody else. My thoughts always go to, you know, relationships, romance and all that kind of stuff. But you recommend using this like in the workplace, in schools, you know, in all kinds of scenarios. Like what would be the benefit there? Is it just to improve like workplace relations or? or? So that's, that's a great question, Sandy. Let's start with the schools. So at the beginning of the day, I'm testing it in some schools right now. At the beginning of the day, they roll the cube and that sets the stage, takes two seconds to do that maybe 30 to 45 seconds for the teacher to say, class, we're watching for this type of behavior today. At the end of the day, then they, I, I provide the teacher with a PDF of the journal page so that the child now has to write a report on how they did that day. If you have children that have to take responsibility now for their own actions, it's not the teacher's fault. It's not the principal's fault, and the teacher's not responsible for that child's action, and the principal's, or the teacher and the principal aren't responsible for that child's actions. Child is himself or herself are responsible for their actions. That's going to tamp down a lot of misbehaving because now they have to report about what they did that was right, what how they logged that particular day. So the teacher puts a little check mark on it, sends it home with the child, or if there's a spectacular story, that the teacher wants to read the next day in front of the class, then they read it way back and say, Johnny did this. Wasn't that wonderful? And look how he loved that day. And it was just make that person shine in front of the whole class. And I think the teacher doing that is going to prompt more good behavior in that classroom. We're going to tamp down a lot of that misbehaving. A lot of the violence is going to go away all by itself. Because now these kids are responsible for their own behavior. It took me to age 35, Sandy, for me to get there. To feel like I was responsible for my own behavior. Now they can do it when they're age 6 or 7 or 8 or 9 or 10. I'm starting it in the primary grades right now. K through 6. Kindergarten through 6th grade. I don't know what that looks like in Ireland or in the UK. But that's just until you're about 12 years old. So school up until about 12, so that primary school, that's right. So in most most of the classes or the teachers that I've talked with, they stay in the same classroom from the start of the day to the end of the day, that they've all got that reporting. So when we start changing classes and going to elective classes, it's a little bit more difficult. It still can be done, but this, this is where I'm starting with this right now. Just trying to teach these children how to watch for the love, take, teach them all the love languages, first of all, so they get that peripheral vision so they can see and communicate better with one another. If they can get this foundation, then what's going to happen with them, Sandy, which is happen, has happened with me, is now they're going to stack kindness on top of kindness, on top of kindness, on top of kindness, just like I was stacking the annoyances, but what that does for you is gets you to the higher laws of love, like empathy or sympathy or charity or intimacy or forgiveness or compassion. It gets you to those higher laws of love that you can even you can imagine someone insulting, 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 insulting you and then asking for forgiveness. Are you going to grant that forgiveness? I mean, are you going to do that? I mean, you could, but it's going to be so hard to get that. 
But kindness on top of kindness on top of kindness, it's going to be a whole lot easier to get to the, that, to receive forgiveness of something that you've done wrong. So that's the style that we're trying to build this foundation for these kids in, in the school system so that they can take that to the middle school, they can take that to the, the secondary school, they can take that through their life. That's one thing about the workplace, you know, just common decency in the workplace. You don't have to do this ladder climbing thing that that it's going to shine all by itself. The very best managers, and I've been in corporate corporate America, and I've been a CFO of a public company, chief financial officer of a public company. So I know what I'm talking about when I say that stacking kindness on top of kindness can be done in a workplace. It's just common decency. You get your work done, you go and look around and you help someone else get their work done too. And you start working and, and you've got that common mission that you're going to get this work done and, and make the, the company per, uh, profitable and productive. You can help that happen. And you just have that attitude that it's going to be a loving atmosphere within the workplace. Not a hostile atmosphere, not a hostile takeover. Like I'm, I'm, the, I'm the mailroom clerk. I'm going to take over the company. I'm going to be president of the company one day. And you just don't have to do that. You can do it, but do it with kindness. And, it's, and that's what we're trying to do in the workplace. It would be great for customer service, great for the salespeople. If they can understand their clients a whole lot better, understand what their love language of that client might be quickly, if they can quickly understand that, the sale is going to be a whole lot easier to make. And it's just going to produce more revenue. So that's kind of what we're looking at for the workplace. We're still rolling it up. Yeah, no, that's great. And, you know, even while you're talking, it's 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 like, you know, I'm just thinking in my head, won't this be a great way for people who are socially awkward? You know, people who don't know how to express themselves. It's going to give them an idea every day. You know, this is how I'm going to interact with mm -hmm. people and slowly bring them out of their shell. You know, it's Absolutely. amazing. And yeah. I can imagine that, you know, um, even autistic children, that this is going mm -hmm. to be amazing for them because it's going to give them like that, that, that awkwardness. That some, not, not every autistic child has a social awkwardness, but some of them do, that they don't know how to express themselves. They don't know how to interact with people. Mm -hmm. And this is going to give them ideas on a daily basis. I mean, you could even just do it at home with them in the morning, roll it, you know, at home in the morning um, before you send them out to school or whatever and say, well, this is what we're both going to do today. You at work and them at, you know, at school or whatever their environment right. is. That's amazing. Well done you for coming up with this, because like you can look at it and say, well, isn't this so simple? But, you know, it took somebody to think this out and make this cube. So like, thank you so much for coming on and explaining that to us. Um, I know that people are going to have so many questions. So your website is Roll of No. Roll of Love. That's yes. correct. Roll yes. RollofLove.com. Yeah. So I'm going to put the link um, to the website in the description box attached. Um, and, you know, so they don't necessarily, but well, the book is available on Kindle over here. I know that for sure because I looked on Amazon.co.uk, uh, which would cover Ireland also. And I know it's available on um, Kindle. So really all we're missing over here is the cube. <laughs> so um, The cube, that's right. So, so Audible is available on Amazon as well. 
that so for for your listeners that like just listening to the podcast while they're driving or or doing something else the audible for the book is also available oh cool yeah as i, ha- I actually have audible as well so um yeah that's because i spent so much time in the car that that is absolutely great so guys i am going to be getting a cube and i will you know and uh, put up some pictures and i will show you how i'm using it because i absolutely love this idea um so thank you so much paul um i hope you do get a lot of response to this because this is just amazing um so check out the link in the description box attached guys and that will take you straight to uh, paul's website and you can contact him directly through there Paul, thank you so much for your time uh, with us today. I really, really appreciate it. And I can't wait to receive uh, my cube in the post. I hope it doesn't take too long. Um, so thank you very much. Well, thank, thank you, Sandra. It's, it's been my pleasure to be with you. You're absolutely the right. Oh, thank fun. you so much. And hopefully we'll, um, we'll touch base again in the future. And uh, you can let us know if there's any updates to your books or your products because this is going to be big okay guys so thank you for listening and i will see you in the next episode of life after life so until then take care and stay safe discussing everything about the afterlife and spirit